Hey everyone, welcome to episode 78 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast to ever feature the Lotus Boxers as guests. Hey guys. What's up everybody, Lotus Boxers here, you got Jeremy Bertarioni and Zan Sayed. and we are on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and over on the other side of the table, we've got the MTG Grindcast hosts, Yep, myself, Chris Castor-Apple, Collins Mullen. It's me, I'm back. Hey Collins. As always. Okay, great. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna foreman this thing. The reason that we got these guys to join us is because they've been working a lot on standard, and also they are here in Collins's apartment where we are recording. So you know, it'd be pretty weird not to do this all together. <laughs> yep. Although Lee is standing over in the corner, not being on the podcast. So <laughs> yep. whatever. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Some quick preliminaries: uh, if you want to lend us some support, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/MTGGrindcast. Get you some tokens, get in on Discord, talk about developing new standard, uh, information on how to get up with the Lotus Boxers at the end of the episode if you guys feel like you like them. And if you don't, then you know, <laughs> don't stick around that long. <laughs> we got you, Chris. I can't wait to plug my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess we should talk about what you guys are doing before we get to anything else. It's kind of so people know who we are. Yeah. But the, the best thing about us is that we already have the captain of... Team Lotus Box, right? Zansayed is one of the Lotus Boxers, so it's not like nobody's ever heard of Lotus Box. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys have both been playing plenty of SCG events. Zan has shown up in yeah. many a top eight. Yeah, uh, yep. Jeremy has shown up in one a top eight. I have an open top eight, but I feel like it counts for more because my deck was the literal suboptimal deck right so humans was the deck for that event uh collins mullen invented humans and i'm not going to <laughs> oh I'm, boy here we go i'm not going to qualify that at all collins mullen invented humans and brought it to cincinnati i Entirely, was entirely like sprung from his head fully formed with no outside influence whatsoever again right? i'm not going to qualify it at all right right he invented humans he brought it to cincinnati uh, and we both knew that the tribal creature decks were so powerful that I also top aided with Merfolk, which was just a much worse version of that deck. And in fact, you lost to Collins well, in that top eight. Yeah, yeah, people could say that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and they would be correct when yes. they said that that Yeah, happened. that did happen. Yeah. Um, but you guys are doing YouTube videos now, right? And so yeah. what, what, are, what kind of content are we making here? So uh, on the serious note, I mean, for me, this is... Like, our ability to show what happens behind the scenes. We get these top eights, but it doesn't happen automatically. There's a process behind it. We try a lot of different decks. And so, if you look right now, we have three different decks. Totally different types of decks. We have, like, Teamer Drakes all the way to Rakdos Aggro. But the point is, is that we're trying to basically break the barrier between the pros and the viewers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is kind of one of the main reasons why we wanted to get you guys to sit down is because we're right at the beginning of a brand new format and this is like prime time to talk about how these decks get brewed and how we figure out what gets brought to a week one tournament and a week two tournament and a week three tournament. Yeah, no, definitely. For sure. Um, so before we get into that, today we're going to talk about mostly new standard and the stuff that everybody's been working on and seeing has been working so far. Uh only a couple of days in, but there have been lots of stuff going on. Um, and we're also going to talk about the BNR announcement, because this morning, KCI got banned, Stoneforge Stone Mystic remained banned. <laughs> <laughs> Phew! 
Oh, yeah, thank God. (laughs) Right. Um, But before we get to that stuff, we like to do a segment called Keeper Mull. And this is where we take a look at a hand and talk about whether or not we would mulligan it. Um, This is from a little bit earlier today where we were, Zan was piloting a Teamer Drake's deck. This was game two, I believe. Game two. It was post-board. We were on the draw against... uh, Cindervine's burn. Cindervine's burn. Yeah, main deck Cindervine's burn, which yep. is a very scary matchup. Uh, and this hand, Collins, I have a feeling you're not going to like this hand. Oh boy! All right. So this <laughs> hand is. Wait, let me guess. Is it a seven that has to get there? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of. Okay. It is a seven card hand. Yep. Island. Two spell pierces. Two terramanders. Yeah. A negate. And a nifmizit. Okay. So it is a one-land hand, yeah. but with four castable spells in it. And we're on the draw. We're on the draw. Against a deck that, you know, we really want to be casting these spell pierces against. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm curious to see what kind of the thought process that you guys went through when you were analyzing it. So my thought process was spell pierce, definitely one of the best cards, and we have a threat. Mm-hmm. So basically I was thinking I can beat three spells that my opponent has, uh, just as long as we draw a spell around three turns from the uh, the turn we we play the island and play a Terramander. And I thought it was just totally doable. And yeah. also I knew that our opponent didn't have very many creatures, so spell pierces would be pretty live. And I think that one of the things that really pushed it over for you guys might have been that game one you saw your opponent play Cinder Vines. Yep. So not only were they a burn deck, but they were really kind of, you know, you really don't want to get under a Cinder Vine so early on in the game. Because your deck was is has a lot of spells in it, you know. Exactly. Um, so having the spell pierce available for their center vines is really nice. And we should probably try to say the text of Ravnica Allegiance cards. Oh uh, uh, yeah, true. Because yeah, not, yeah. not everybody might know that center vines is red green for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, it deals one to them, and you can pay one and sacrifice it to destroy target artifact or enchantment, and deals two to the two yeah. to that permanence control. It's a lot of text. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so it's half of an Eidolon and a destructive revelry all rolled into one card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, the best way to put it. And it's 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 really hard to beat when your deck is all ops and charter courses and yeah. stuff. And Terramander is probably best looked at as um as the new Delver, which is a 1/1 flyer for one blue, seven colorless and blue to activate it to give it adapt four. It costs one less for every instant sorcery in your yard. And I gotta I gotta take a little issue with calling it new Delver. I think it <laughs> I think it actually functions significantly differently from Delver of Secrets. Because it, it never gets those like lightning starts that Delver gives you. Yeah. I, like it's and it it's not even quite like Gurmag Angler because there's a lot of turn two Gurmag Anglers in this world. And it's, yeah. it really has a limit on how fast it can be. Yeah. But it's very resilient and like drawing multiples, it doesn't prey on itself. Yeah. And like it, it's it's kind of its own animal the way that it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. True. But it is, you know, we've we've definitely been very impressed by it. Um, and it feels very, very powerful in, in this, mm-hmm. in, particularly in the in the deck that Zan's been playing with. I think that just from a mana point of view, I get calling it the new Delver. Because it's kind of got the same aspect of play it and forget about it while you leave up counters. Sure. So the fact that it comes down on turn one and you have all these spell pierces and negates, that makes it more like Delver in that aspect than the like immediate damage. So I really right. kind of, I kind of get it. The new Delver, because you're just like, all right, Terramander, go. And they're just like... Dang it, he's going to counter all my spells for the rest of the game, and I'm going to get beat up by mm-hmm. anything. So, uh, another way I like to think about it is 
when you used to play Delver, if it didn't flip immediately, it was just a 1-1 threat that most of the time couldn't get through the board. Mm-hmm. This 1-1 already has flying, regardless if, if you've adapted or not. So it's getting in for that chip damage, but the amount of damage that you're able to get to Delver by turn 4, it really catches you up if you're able to adapt it. Yeah. At a, at a yeah. normal pace of the deck. Yeah, definitely. And the the last thing I want to say about the card is, uh, as opposed to Delver back back when um, Delver was in standard, Terramander enables a lot more cards for for the deck than Delver actually did in the sense of like having Charter Course mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, just have, yeah. like having access to an evasive one mana flyer, curving into. Uh, Charter Chorus has been really strong for us. Yeah, And then it's very easy. It's a threat that's very easy to protect with Dive Down, where a lot of times, like Crackling Drake, you'll be tapped out for a turn before you can start putting the shields up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's really good. Yeah. Um, I think we have forgotten that we are in the middle <laughs> of a Keeper Mall. Yeah, let's not get too far removed from this hand. <laughs> right. So, so th- this was my fault. but <laughs> No, it's all right. I mean, it's, I do think it's important to talk about these cards. Yeah. And, you know. So yeah, I mean, so it's a it's a one lander. You only have an island, but you do have the two spell pierces and the two terramanders. So I guess that you know that might mean that you're feeling you can just kind of operate on that for a couple of turns and then eventually draw into the lands. Is that kind of the the upper, the theory that you guys are? Yeah, I've always operated on the theory of if you needed to draw a land to win the game, why not do that at the beginning of the game? And that's a that's like a thought process that a lot of people don't take, and I take more than that, yeah, more yeah. of that than other people do. Mm-hmm. Where you're you're like, all right, if I you know my hand is so good that if I draw the land right now, I'm going to win. It, it, you know, I'm yeah. I'm willing to take this gamble at any point in the game. And this hand is quite good. This hand has all of the tools we need to win the game as long as we hit a little bit more mana, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like those yeah. those spell pierces are so good and it has two threats in it. You know, okay. this niv is is. We're, we're far away from casting Niv Mizzet. No doubt that it is a um, mulligan in, mulligan to six in my hand in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, my my also adding to that thought process is the fact that if I if I uh, mulligan to six, would I keep the same hand? And I felt like the answer was yes. Obviously, I'm giving up on the scry, but yeah, I decided to take it. That, that's the reason why. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I like about this hand isn't really that, you know, if I if I draw a land, I'm going to win. If I draw a land, it's really good, and I like that it has that upside. But I, the thing that I like the most out of this hand is that it, it allows you to operate for several turns, uh, even if you brick. Exactly. Yeah. And that that is w- what, to me, really pushes it over into a keep for me. No, for sure. Right, um, and and that's exactly what happened. We did miss for several turns, mm-hmm. and but you're still able to use your mana every turn and use your spells. And yeah, stuff, yeah. So that's good. We did, missed for three turns because we went, we drew um, another negate, opt, and bricked off the opt, and then drew. Yeah, the um, that's right. Yep. Did we end up winning that game? We did. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Just like, regardless, like it was a very close game because the deck was fully capable of functioning on that that one mana for a few turns. So that makes it a much easier keep than one that needs to cast a bunch of two mana spells. Yep. Yep. Cool. So we are going to spend, we already, we couldn't help ourselves when we talked a bunch about standard already. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And we're going to talk about it. There's so much to get into. (laughs) We're going to talk about it more in a minute, but first we got some really big news, which is that KCI got banned. Um, Yeah. Phew. Lots of cheers, lots of sighs of relief across the table, right? Because I played against KCI because to be honest, I thought that that deck was quite lame and I didn't want to play it. And it just, 
you know, a combo deck that's comboing against you and you interact three or four times in a turn and none of those times matter. Mm-hmm. It just like for for magic players who like to interact, you know, for people who are like into thought seizes and abrupt decays, this was just miserable this was so silly it's like well if none of these cards mattered anyway then i guess i just have to play eidolons you know you you don't get to play these decks because the main combo that the most powerful combo deck in the format you can't interact with and i am just so glad that it's not a consideration anymore yeah this was like the one banned and restricted announcement where i was kind of like I'd be okay with KCI not getting banned because I'm teaming with Lee. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. For, for Baltimore in two weeks, but overall, this is definitely a, a good a good thing. Uh, I mean, we were at a really weird point where a bunch of like normal Magic citizens were picking up KCI mm-hmm. and playing it in ways that you know I won a bunch of games that I would not have won if my KCI opponents had played optimally but it is a yeah. pretty difficult deck to play optimally yeah 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 um so often I wasn't that scared when my opponent led on you know uh, inventor's fair star or something like that because I had a plan and they didn't always have a plan against me but the deck is not only overwhelmingly powerful but overwhelmingly resilient like you said to to just whatever hate unless you have the very specific group of like five cards in modern that actually do something against the deck then yeah i mean when a deck that's winning through like you know moving a bunch of permanents around the battlefield Mm -hmm. uh and into the graveyard when that deck just like doesn't care if you have a permanent removal spell then yeah you know we're starting to talk about a pretty big problem yeah like i wasn't bringing in a braid against the artifact based combo deck because it wasn't good enough right yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's just you know we can just kill you through that (laughs) so i I would say i have like an unpopular take on on this is that i didn't feel like kci needed to get banned i actually felt like well I never really lost to the deck until Psy came into the deck mm-hmm. because it just gave it a whole nother angle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, uh, Worcester, I would say when the deck was starting to pick up, uh, I decided to play Spirits. as like the week one when Supreme Supreme Phantom came about mm-hmm. and I decided I was going to take a really strong stance against KCI because I was going to play it on my uh, like last four rounds that would allow me to get into top eight. And I was like, how do I how do I make this sideboard strategy? And I was like, why don't I make like a three-piece lockout? And I decided to put Rest in Peace, Stony Silence, and Dahlia mm-hmm. together. And I felt like that was the ultimate combo to lock <laughs> that deck out. Yeah. And basically, I never won game one. And I won all my games two and three. And then I played it like three or four times in that tournament. And it was it, it was a buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but since Psy came out... Yep. It gave the deck a whole nother angle, and that was a mistake in itself. They should have looked at KCI and its results before Psy came out and made sure that card wasn't allowed to to hit the field. The reason I like banning it from that sort of um, design and development standpoint is because Cartland Ironworks can only ever be completely degenerate. It can never be like a fine, fun card. And right. Psy sort of can, you know? So I'd rather keep the Scrap Trawler Psy deck. If someone wants to go crazy with stars and Scrap Trawler, and at the end of it, they're like, my Psy made a bunch of Thopters. Let that person do that, right? Because that's an acceptable thing to happen in modern. But but Clan Ironworks, if, if you don't hit it this time, and the format goes on, eventually they print another artifact. That's just, like, going to happen. And then... All of a sudden, we have another problem where someone can sack all their permanents and have 15 mana. You know, it's like that card, the way that it's designed, they don't design cards like that anymore because 
The only thing you can do with that card is resolve it and win the game. Otherwise, the card is completely unplayable. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I felt like if we live in a world where Psy wasn't around, we as a community could have taken a stance to devote X amount of uh, sideboard slots to make sure that card doesn't. Yeah, but Psy just sidesteps every way that you can hate on it. You got a Stony Silence and a... I mean, (laughs) maybe if you have a Stony Silence and the rest in peace, then it might not quite get there. But if you got the Stony Silence in place, just sacrificing the artifacts and drawing all the cards. Exactly. Getting Thopters. Um, more interesting than, like, good thing this deck is banned, is what do we expect to happen to Modern in the absence of KCI? Um, what deck get better? What decks get worse? How do we expect the meta to sort of evolve over time? And I know, like, meta, I'm kind of using scare quotes around yeah. that because it's Modern, but um, what do we foresee for the next couple of weeks of, of Modern? I would say the card that is going to be the biggest problem and is starting going to start making its case almost immediately for it to get to the power level, get to the ban level, is Faithless Looting. Mm-hmm. Arclight Phoenix has already shown its its colors through KCI being a bad matchup. Yep. And I think that let's say we go let's for fast forward three uh modern tournaments in, I would say each of those modern tournaments will have at least two uh is it phoenix uh is it phoenix decks in them yeah i so i was i was thinking about this and i hadn't quite realized it but i've played phoenix in five paper tournaments i played it in two cube qualifiers at the invitational i played it at two iqs and i played it in uh, the team event at columbus uh in those events i my first one i top aided a cube event i six into the second cube qualifier uh i scrubbed out of one iq but then in the team tournament i went six and one and then i top aided the other iq that i played and i'm not playing this deck at like the highest possible level i'm making mistakes yeah. I, i'm i'm not sequencing everything completely like i'm still learning how to play a cantrip deck yeah. but the deck is extremely powerful and like my paper win rate is through the roof with it and i played kci a bunch of times in the, yeah. The, yeah, those yeah. tournaments yeah. uh now that i'm not gonna have to like yeah there's a big exploitable hole in this metagame that phoenix is just aiming right for at this moment i think mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean and you know we, we i'm sure people are going to test out terramander in that deck as mm-hmm. well um because the we're having success with the card in standard and you know if that's true it feels like in modern it's going to be also very very good yeah one of the considerations that i think zan brought up earlier though was that in the mirror terramander is going to be really awkward against gut shot that could be interesting, especially if the the prevalence of the stack becomes really, you know, goes through the roof or whatever. But yeah, um, I I think, and that that ultimately is like a almost non-issue if everybody's playing the Terramanders, but yeah. maybe you're getting a leg up by not. But also, like Terramander is like that that matchup rarely comes down to just pure speed unless you're phoenixing really quickly. Yeah, um, and Terramander you may just be able to sandbag until it doesn't die to gush. Right, right, anymore. right, right. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, my my take on it is I don't think it it's gonna be difficult for it to ever take the Swift Spear spot because it allow Swift Spear allows you to get those really really out of nowhere kills. Mm-hmm. But besides that, you have to think about the thing in the ice, how it works with thing in the ice. Swift Spear works so much better with thing in the ice than um, than Terramander does. Yeah. And the one one I think will come up more than we think. And if you want to make Terramander a uh, a 5-5 five five immediately, it still takes double blue. Right. 
Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think that it just kind of gives us another option, and I don't know if it's always going to be right, but I bet at some times I would prefer to have Terramander to Swiss Spear. Just, the problem with Swiss Spear is that it's so much more blockable than every other creature in the deck, and no, if that's sure. an issue, you know, it's not good against, like, spirits and stuff like that. No, no, for sure. Um, so, there's definitely consideration. But, like, the, the deck now has a suite of different like tertiary threats you can pick from and that's kind of yeah. dangerous for right yeah, yeah, yeah more options yeah for the interactive side of modern and the non-linears death shadow is it's lost its uh sort of natural prey and and yep. it's just not gonna have as many wins per tournament now that kci is not around mm-hmm. so i think that hole in the modern metagame is going to shift back towards like the bigger green black decks um, and sort of make them a little better because Death Shadow's the worst. Yeah. And they can sort of diversify against threats like that. Like, most people who are playing Jund are like, yeah, the Phoenix deck is fine. We can we can beat it because they have the Graveyard Hate and the Scavenging Ooze and the... And you know, Fatal Spells. Push, which... Fatal Pushing a thing is busted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Phoenix is rising, and as they often do from their nests. And then, you know, I think the decks that are really pushing this Fatal Push are going to, like... Prey on that, and so like whatever the number one deck in the metagame is, is like reflects what the good black mid range deck in the metagame is too. So when it was KCI, it was Death Shadow. Now that it's Phoenix, it'll probably shift to another one of those. Right, right, because because Death Shadow had to kind of rise from the ashes to make an appearance. Yep. because of the presence of KCI, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of looking forward in modern. Uh, there's definitely a lot of things I'm excited about uh, from the new set as well. So right, like is that's, that something that's that we want to take a too. minute to talk about? Sure. Or? Yeah. Like for example, Burn just got a bunch of busted <laughs> I, cards. I, oh yeah. I brewed up another Burn deck, <laughs> and let me tell you, it is fantastic. Okay. Light up the stage is insane. It's really, really strong. Yeah. That card is. Really um, and Skewer the Critics is just another bolt. I, you know, I, I ran it through a league with Light up the stage and Skewer the Critics and. You, you just turn them on. It's, you know, it's not as big of a, like, I thought that maybe sometimes it would be of a clunker, but it just never was. Wow. So, um... Less of a clunker, almost even, than Rift Bolt, because I was there right, with right, you in yeah. testing. And there were just some times when it was like, the Rift Bolt would have been terrible, but because it's a skewer of the critics, we're just like, right now you're going to get <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the Swift Spear triggers prowess, you yeah, know? Yeah, so yeah. it mattered so much. Yeah, sure. that extra prowess trigger is real nice, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Rift Bolt is also works really well with Skewer the Critics. Yeah. And it works really well with Light of the Stage. There were several one-landers that I had where um, I had a Rift Bolt and a Skewer the uh, or sorry, a Rift Bolt and a Light of the Stage. Mm-hmm. And I was able to just, like, get them with the, oh, wow. with the Rift Bolt and yeah. then play Light of the Stage, draw two more cards, find a land, play it, and, you know, continue burning them. <laughs> so what, did, what are the cuts that we made? Obviously the Skull Cracks from the main deck. And so my build is actually, it's playing Bump of the Night. I really wanted to go all in on one mana damage spells okay. to really facilitate uh, both Skewer and Light of the Stage. So we're not playing any um, of the white spells? Is that what's going on? We're not playing white. Okay. So no Boros Charm, no none of the other stuff. Because the you'd be surprised at how little space we have now. Mm-hmm. We're adding in a two n- more four ofs into burn. Yeah. So, you know, we can we can afford to, to cut the other stuff. And yeah. then, you know, our, we're also bringing in Bump in the Night as an, as an additional one. So I think that a main deck Rakdos burn um, build in modern is probably going to be really strong. Cool. 
Um, You're also splashing green for cinder vines. Yeah, and then, right, that's a good point. The cinder vines is also another card that really, really adds a lot to this deck in modern because uh, in some matchups, it is Eidolons 5 through 8, which is insane. And then it also acts as your Destructive Reverie. It just has the Destructive Reverie taxed on it. Uh, you can, you know, you could blow up an artifact or enchantment um, and they take two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it just does that. Um, yeah. So it's... I mean, it's, it's honestly really, really a shame. Cool. It's honestly a shame this card wasn't around when KCI was around. Right, yeah. Now that they printed this card and KCI got banned, it's kind of like, oh, all right, well. But it's still it's still great. It's still great against, you know, control decks that are trying to cast a lot of spells. Um, it's still great against, you know, co- combo decks like, you know, Storm. It's it's just another Eidolon against Storms, it feels like. And then it just acts as your uh, destructive reverie slot. So you, you're not really losing much by having to play this card. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I... I, I, since I'm missing Indianapolis this weekend, I just can't make it mm-hmm. with my new job. But there is an IQ on Sunday, so I may hit that up with this burn deck. And boy, do I have a list for you! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I do think Phoenix is pretty bonkers as well. But this, especially if people are playing Phoenix, this is a great yeah. place to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I liked it a lot. I was really blown away by the power level cool. of the deck. Um, I ended up four winning the league. The one match that I lost, I I think that I just kept a bad seven mm-hmm. against uh, hardened scales and died because they had a couple of nature's claims. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the power level was clearly there. And even this kind of like silly seven that I ended up keeping, I like I ended the game with like eight or nine lands or something because I kept on. Lighting, light, casting light at the stage and hitting like a land and a burn spell or something, and it just like wasn't enough. Yeah. Did you but know? every time I drew light at the stage, it was just like, wow, I have a shot now. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like if I had two burn spells, I just win. <laughs> right. Because you could never top deck two burn spells before, but right. now you just can. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I need to draw a bull and another bull, and you right. draw light at the stage with five mana, and you're like, <gasps> <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. and all the bolts are one mana now. It's just so and good. the game makes it so that you have to flip them off the top. You can't not reveal them, you know. So your opponent like, we get to show see them together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, let's see if I win. <laughs> yeah, I mean the chain of possibilities is kind of endless now. You can always hit two of them. Right, you can right. hit three of them. Right, and <laughs> if it was like a, a rift bolt turn, and then you just sort of chain them or something, yeah, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, one one note with Rift Bolt and Light of the Stage is that you can't suspend off of Light of the Stage. Right. Um, so that has occasionally been a little awkward, but I, the power level is just off the charts on that card. So cool. Yeah. So earlier when you said those two cards are good together, I didn't want to interrupt you, and you were on your flow, but I was like, well, they're kind of good together. But <laughs> they, they're, not, they're, they're not good the other way. They right. They they can definitely um, be awkward sometimes, but I I do think that between Skewer the Critics and Light of the Stage, the Rift Bolts belong in the deck. Cool. Well, that's that's all good stuff to know about modern. So, yeah, it's a little snapshot on modern, yeah. but we haven't been focusing nearly as much on modern no. as we have on standard. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got SCG Indie coming up this weekend, and then we've got a, a team open coming up the next weekend. So we really are trying to to get uh, get the hang of this new standard. Yeah. Um, I've been mostly watching streams because I don't have a standard tournament this weekend, so I haven't wanted to like put in work that gets invalidated by the first week's deck lists and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Um, so I, I've been watching a lot and I've been, I've gotten impressions of like which cards seem great, which mm-hmm. decks seem to actually be working and that sort of thing. But I'm really interested in hearing what you guys have been putting together and, and what has seemed good, what, what experiments have failed, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think we could probably start with 
just the kind of the cards that have overperformed for us sure. out of the new set. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is kind of the most valuable information you can take from this early in the format. Is yeah. Like, what cards do we want to build right. decks around? Um, the card that I know Zan is going to want to talk a lot about is yeah. Growth Spiral. So oh my talk about Growth Spiral for a second, Zan. Growth Spiral. That <laughs> card. <laughs> that card is my baby. I love that card. Nice. It fits into pretty much any any shell. Like, any shell that can afford to play green-blue, you play it. Because mm-hmm. you're you're on the draw, and next thing you know, you are on the play. Yeah. Uh, it, it does. It steals the play. It's <laughs> it's it's just phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, right now, to me, it's an arms race. It's who can find the best um, growth spiral yeah. shell. And right. whoever does gets to walk home with a free trophy. <laughs> well, <laughs> potentially, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the way I, the best way I like to put it is it's metamorphosis and, and standard because mainly because I've been playing it in in a Drake shell mm-hmm. and um, that's how it, like it really enable the way I like to play the card is play growth spiral and try to play a one off that mm-hmm. and in the teamer Drake deck I try to cast opt uh, terramander shock um, spell, spell pierce, pierce. Yeah. dive yeah. down yep. yeah yeah. So and you're, you're really set up to use that one mana that it gives you back when right. it... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The thing I love the most about Zan's build is that it's it's a solid number of one-drops. Mm-hmm. So you're... And, and the one-drops that you're playing are, are high impact. Yeah. Spell Pierce is great right now. Shock is great right now. Opt is, of course, insane in the um, Drake's deck. Uh, those are all just really, really strong one-mana cards. And that's not something that we see in Standard very often. Yeah. Um, Especially in a Delver-like shell. Yeah. It's yeah, been yeah. a while. Which... Right. Which Terramander does, you know, for all the conversation about whether or not it's Delver, like, Terramander really makes it feel like a standard Delver deck. Yeah, yeah. it does, for sure. Um, yeah, and then I think that the other card that we should definitely talk about, which has gotten a lot of talk, you know, if you're tuned in much to the kind of the hype and stuff, is Hydroid Crisis. I was about to say, it's an arms race for Hydroid, Hydroid Crisis, because there was such a there's such a play pattern of on turn five, like, oh no, I should activate my incubation druid even to make it either look like i have a hydroid crisis or because i have a hydroid crisis but like now he has to kill my turn like turn five mana dork it's just it's been completely crazy watching everybody play standard and these hydroid crises are just swinging games left and right yeah, yeah this yeah. is the card yeah. this is the jellyfish hydra beast instead <laughs> yeah. no yeah. other jellyfish hydra beast will do right, right. yeah yeah. No, I mean that card, I mean, we've we've played a couple of builds and I don't I don't know uh I really like the way that we've tuned your uh your Drake's deck and I really like our build of Mardu aggro essentially. Yeah. Um but the the one deck that we've been playing a lot of different iterations of have been various versions of Hydroid Crisis um growth spiral decks. We're not really entirely sure how we want to end up with that quite yet, but yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how that turns out. We uh, know that those cards are great. Yep. I mean, it's definitely going to be a journey, but uh, I mean, I'm locked in with uh, Simic. Simic. Yeah. Zan's gonna be playing green, blue, something. Just <laughs> growth spiral is going to be in your week one. No, deck. definitely. But I would say, uh, I mean, 
to every ying, there's a yang, and Jeremy's my yang. I am loving light up the stage. Spear Spewer is winning games that I was never able to win before. They just have the board <laughs> that it's the mono red player knows the board I'm talking about. They have the board where they had a 4 4 before you had two 2 twos, and you haven't been able to attack all game. And I'm just lighting up the stage and getting more Spear Spewers. That is the card that's going to save. This is the. One red mana is Euro 2 that has tap, deals one damage to each player. And they tried to sneak it by us by spoiling it on the Friday where they released all the other cards. I think it should have been day one Monday. <laughs> Every red player, relax. He's here. He he taps the deal one damage to each player, so he hits you two. Mm-hmm. And it's just been... If you're on the other side of the table from it, you get it. You're like, oh, I'm dead in three turns. And I spent the first couple of turns... Like, getting into a board stall. That is not okay. And so, yeah, there's a lot of power on both sort of sides because you can go really big and try to get your Hydroid Crasuses. There's also, like, some really good control decks, but I'm so excited about these aggro decks, these burn decks, these decks playing Spear Spear. I want to know more about this red-green burn deck you guys played against, like what cards were in it, how many Spear Spewers did they have against you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so we were actually, we were talking about that. You know, our opponent played Cindervines against us turn two of game one, and on the one hand, we were like, damn, like, why, well, that's bold. And then we were like, well, I don't think we can possibly beat that. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And then you just think about all the decks in the format and the decks that are not like uh, Growth Chamber Guardian Incubation Druid decks, like most of them are going to have a really hard time with game one Cindervines. Exactly. And I mean, Cindervines, even in those matchups, is finding most of these green-blue shells with... Um, Incubation Druid and all, all, all these types of uh, creatures are playing Adana's Climb, so yeah. they find a way. Yeah. That, and that's an important thing to note, is there's a lot of enchantments in this standard. I I think, uh, like, Mortify is seeing a ton of play right now, and I think that's correct. There's just a lot of enchantments to kill between uh, Hadana's Climb, uh, what is the black-red enchantment? Oh, um, uh, there's Theater, Theater of Theater Horrors. Of Horrors. Yeah. yeah, Hadana's Climb, Theater of Horrors... Wilderness Reclamation, uh, classic s- search, search classic, yeah, <laughs> classic search for Escanta. Um, but yeah, Mortify is is a better card than Bedevil at the moment. I would I would definitely say for sure. For sure. And then search for Escanta that puts you in a hard spot as the Cindervines player because you know go find more spells, do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. There's like no wrong decision with the Cindervines <laughs> at that point. Yeah. yeah, you got a Chemister's Insight. Oh my gosh, you get to cast it twice. Go ahead, I'll give they you the mana. Those are drawing you like two spells. <laughs> yeah. Good lord. Um, yeah, and especially against like the Nexus deck, that like Cindervines is real hard to beat. Yeah. So you know both sides. Mm-hmm. Well. Well, so yeah. I think I think one thing to that I've noticed is that a lot of the format is going to both determine and be determined by the green deck's choices of two drop creatures. Because you've got the suite of uh, Incubation Druid and uh, Growth Chamber Guardian, which have a much higher power level than the Wild Growth Walker and Explore Dude suite. But the Wild Growth Walker and Explore Dude suite really beats the crap out of uh, Spear Chucker decks. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So I would say there's a lot of cards that we're going to see at the beginning of the format that we're not going to see at the end. So basically, I'm going to start off with the card that's 
much more clear to see this picture in, and that's absorb and um, what is the uh, kind of spell that um, Scry's one? Oh, Sinister, Sinister Sabotage. Sinister Sabotage. Basically, at the beginning of the format, when we're going to see all these aggro decks, absorb is going to be much more prevalent. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the format, I believe that these green blue decks will have such a strong, uh, such a powerful shell that Sinister Sabotage will be worth much more mm-hmm. and say just like that i think that at the beginning of the format i think that the explorer shell and it being more familiar and wild growth walker having a one three toughness and taking just wiping the uh aggro decks clean are, are is gonna shine but by the end of the format the value shells are what's gonna prevail mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to seeing week one and then uh, trying to catch the wave and uh, figuring out what's best week to week. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, the other thing that kind of gets determined by which green creatures people are running is how good is Shock in this one. Oh my God. But yeah. Shock seems very good right now. Yeah. Shock, Shock is good. I mean, <laughs> at least at least right now in like the, the current iteration that we're in of like not quite two week one. Mm-hmm. We're at like week 0.5, I guess. Yeah. Um, and in this scenario, like everybody's playing the O2 that, you know, can try to make three mana or, you know, they're playing the, the 2-2 that... Um, incubation Guard? Yeah, Growth Chamber Guardian. Yeah, Growth Chamber Guardian. And then just like a surprise, like Judith is another oh, thing yeah. that you really, really are going to need to shock. Yeah, and um, whenever you get to kill a three-mana creature with a shock. Yeah, oh yeah, it, yeah, it's very strong. Or like respond to your opponent's Growth Chamber Guardian activation with a shock. Is, yeah. You know, all of that is really huge. That's gigantic. Um, um, so And some of the Aristocrats deck... I mean, I think most of the good aristocrats lists are running Priest of the Forgotten Gods, and that's really important to be able to shock as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You need to be able to sacrifice your creatures with these Judith decks. It's so important. It's why I'm going to plug my channel a little bit, our channel a little bit, because <laughs> on, on the Lotus Boxers played a Judith deck, but we, we needed the ability to just like sacrifice all of our creatures. That mm-hmm. was like so something that we wanted to do, so we shifted it to a Goblins deck. So we could play Skirt Prospector, and then you have all of your, like, I'll sack these creatures to play the Siege Gang Commander, sack these creatures to start shocking you. Also, a Judith was on the field, right? and we get to just circumvent the attack step. So, And also circumvent the getting Cry of the Carnarium and not being able to do anything about it right. step. Yeah. All right, well, here's uh, some damage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that was, like, an, an iteration of that deck. They're so many decks right now i love this beginning format it's i'm reminded of um the scene in the office where creed is like i love the debate great minds battling it out and i have a front row seat it's really been like that uh <laughs> living in this apartment you know collins is here zan is here for a week and they're just like you know all all of us are just like theory crafting and brewing and pretty much i feel like we've broken the format five or six times and then the format catches up to us and we're like okay what's the next big thing that we have to do and then we'll be like a johnny when you plus you can put the counter on incubation druid and grow chamber guardian and just keep going you know what i mean it's just like so and, and we're only like four days into this format so <laughs> right yeah my biggest fear is that um i felt like this once before and that was right before we decided to play aetherworks marvel week one mm-hmm and uh, yeah, that format, basically, uh, a group of us decided to play Aetherworks Marvel. We couldn't decide if we wanted to play Teamer or or Bant. 
Yeah. And by the end of it, we decided to play Bant because we wanted to fumigate and sec- uh, uh, cast uh, Approach from the Second Sun plus Olamog instead of playing the Team Rochelle, which had Rogue, Refiner, and Whirl of Rogue, and more of like a beat-down-y plan. And we were wrong about that, but we were right about the shell. But after week one, when we were in this amazing space, later on we found out that the fun was over and there was one ultimate deck. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that can definitely happen. A um, word of caution to this tale. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, I am I am a little concerned about, uh, you know, the, the Growth Spiral Hydro Crisis decks. Um, the Ooze is another card that we should talk about. We've been really impressed with the okay. um, the five mana Ooze, Biogenic yeah. Ooze. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it just it's kind of like an army in a can. Uh, exactly. We've been really surprised that you know, like if it ever lives through an additional turn, then all of a sudden there are, all the Oozes are four fours, and it's a mana sink. It's yeah. it does a lot. I mean, the best way to describe the card is it really feels like a Grave Titan. You put it on the field, you make two two. Um, two, 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 two oozes. Yeah. And at the end, at, at, on the end step, they both get a counter. And it's not only that end step, it's every end step after that. Yeah. yeah. And you can play three and a, uh, three green and a colorless to make another ooze. That's just not fair. Yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering if, like, I, I think there's plenty of shells that support this because it's just a bunch of bodies on the board. So mm-hmm. very hard to deal with unless your deck is specifically set up to deal with it. Uh, I think it's also potentially a great like sideboard strategy out of like these Nexus decks. Like you've got Wilderness Reclamation anyways, and if you know they're going to be duressing you or whatever, and then you just play these all oozes. of these oozes, yeah. <laughs> and if you got your Wilderness Reclamation in play, you can make so oh, many it's a oozes. lot of oozes. Yeah. The other card that was pretty similar to that was when we were playing a Bant um, version of Wilderness Reclamation. Mm-hmm. We were playing. Uh, the Dawn, two mana Dawn enchantment, Hope. Dawn of Hope. Oh yeah, that's um, a great mana. <laughs> yeah, and and we we had several times where we were like, okay, uh, we're kind of going off here, but we don't really need to because you know we're making twenty mana in our end step and just like really you know making a bunch of one ones and all those one ones then you know can jump block and 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 draw a card or you yeah. know or just really beat mono red on its own you know right <laughs> a lot of utility to that for sure so this is a similar concept to that where um you know that kind of like secondary plan does work really well with neck uh wilderness reclamation yeah ooze does also die to shock so yeah shock's great big yeah. point yeah. and shock is favorite. great yeah for sure decks that are playing red are, should be playing some number of shocks that's just very true it kills spear spewer yeah. <laughs> is that even the name of that card? What yes. is that card's yeah. name? It's, it's called Spear Spewer. It Spears. spews Spears? Oh, yeah, he does, because yeah. it hits you, too. Wow. Classic yes. Goblin yeah. style. Right. They don't chuck Spears. They're spewing them. Yeah. Wow, that is... They're spewing so many Spears. That, that, that 100% you know. is the name of that card. <laughs> Not that I didn't believe you, but that is a weird name for a card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I, I think... Every time I've I've seen shot cast, it's look it's it's gotten several mana worth of value and yeah, yeah. and prevented a thing from running away with the game. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. very important for sure. Yeah, Cindervines has been an impressive card, not just out of the main deck, Cindervines burn deck, but it seems yeah. like an excellent sideboard card right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. It, I mean, it's just kind of the perfect sideboard card against the Nexus of Fate decks. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Nexus of Fate decks. Some of them are Turbo Fog. Some of them are more like sweeper heavy. Mm-hmm. 
Cindervines is, you know, if you're playing if you're playing that color combination, Cindervines is the perfect separate card for that. Because yeah. then, you know, they can't take infinite turns without dying. They really have to get that card off the battlefield. Kind of their only way to do it sometimes is to ferry. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of the decks are just green-blue, and, and they have a really tough time with it, unless they've, like, brought in specific answers. If you're ever considering playing a two-color deck, I would highly recommend just splashing only for this card. That's how powerful this card is. Because I would say that, like, let's say you're playing black red, a good way to put you over the top in that in those Bant Nexus decks, which we're all gonna see, um, is splashing that card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely very targeted, and it has that cool thing. Like one play pattern with Fulminator Mage a lot of the time, especially against like control decks, is use it as a threat, and it then becomes a two for one when they try to kill it. And Cindervines does a really similar thing. It stays in play; yeah. they can't go off with it in play, and then when they try to kill it, you get to also take out a Wilderness Reclamation or a Search for Escanta or something on its way out. Exactly. Speaking of mana bases, when you said just you know just splash a color for this sideboard card, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine, right? Like the, I, I walked yeah. into Collins's room and he showed me. <laughs> you, you showed me your your aggro deck that you've been playing. Yes, it's right, and I guess we can talk about that a little bit as well. the The aggro deck that I currently like the most is this Mardu. Um, it's essentially a white weenie deck. It's the curve is very very similar to the white weenie deck of the previous format, where it's playing sixteen one drops, and um, you know just like powerful cards that lead up the curve after that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but instead of mono white, now we just get to play Mardu and it's fine. <laughs> we get to play eight white one drops, four black one drops and four, uh, red one drops. And that's, <laughs> you know, sometimes you don't get to play the exact one drop on turn one that you want to play. Mm -hmm. Um, but you generally, you can always just play one of your one drops that you have in your hand. Cause those decks are the, with 16 one drops, you're designed to have multiple, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, and then you just get to play the best, most powerful cards in in the Mardu color combination in standard. Right. So we get to play History of Benalia and Judith and Heroic Reinforcements. Um, the two drop slot is kind of where I'm not entirely sure I have the right things yet. Currently, I've got Boros mm -hmm. Challenger. He's the two three with Mentor. Mm -hmm. um, works really well with a lot of the one drops. Also works really well with Judith because um, Judith makes it a three three, and then he can put a counter on Judith when you attack with it. Yeah. And that's crazy. And I think the 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 point you made about Boros Challenger being the kind of the only two drop that survives Cry of the Carnarium is is one that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, Zan's, Zan's the one who pointed that out to me, and I thought it was really smart. Yeah, um, yeah and then kind of the other two drop that I've been testing out has been um, what is it, Rick's Matty Reveler? Yeah. Um, which it just kind of as a three of. Um, it's been medium so far. I haven't really I think that the deck's power level is just so high that you often don't get to the point where you need to cast that card. <laughs> I saw exactly which, that happen. Yeah, right. Was burning. <laughs> Chris was watching me play a game, and I was like, okay, so we've got this Rick's Matty Reveler, and, you know, I'm ready to refuel, and our opponent just easily died before that happened. Well, so. I think I, what actually happened was I said, well, we're just going to cast oh, right, Heroic right, right. Reinforcements next turn and not have to worry about any of this, yeah, right? Right. Well, we had, a, like, a tough, like, okay, what are we doing exactly on turn three? we got to figure it out. Yep. And Chris was just like, it, none of this is going to matter, because next turn you're going to draw reinforce, uh, Heroic Reinforcements, and, and, and we're just going to win, no matter what. And obviously, and, we yeah, right. just drew Heroic of Reinforcements. Course. Yeah. yeah. And our opponent just, like, looked at their blocks and then scooped. <laughs> right, right, right. Classic. Mm, these all seem pretty um, bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, essentially, 
the reason that I'm able to play this, you know, hyper-aggressive, curve-out mm-hmm. Mardu deck is because the mana bases are perfect. Yep. Um, you you have access to all of the colors that you want. Um, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to shock yourself a couple of times, um, and that's fine. But I, I would even go so far as to say that some of the mana bases that people have been working with are over-perfect. Where they they just put in all of the shocks and all of the the check lands, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know maybe they have a couple of basics. But one thing I found with that is that maybe they're paying too much life because you know they could you know cut some number of shocks and it still be fine because mm-hmm. you just you're gonna have all of your colors. You have so many sources of each of your colors in that kind of uh, mana base. So in Mardu, it, the constructing the mana base was actually kind of difficult. Uh, Zan and I spent a lot of time figuring that one out because we we wanted to make sure that we had enough untapped turn one sources, which was really important. So we only we only incorporated like six of the check lands, mm-hmm. and everything else was a potential turn one land. But as I've been play, you know, I've played through a league and a half at this point only. But every time the mana base is like, if I, as long as I have the correct number of lands in my hand, it works out. It's just, I just have all the colors, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's been pretty crazy. So be. I, like the takeaway is mostly like be daring in your deck designs because yeah. you just yeah. can play three colors. Right. I mean, the biggest thing that you can take away from Collins's uh, Collins's experience in this aggro deck is that if you need to cast a white, black, red spell on turn one, you can do it with the current the the current lands that we have. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. And since we can do that, you should be able you should be pushing your control decks. I really don't think that we should be holding control decks to two colors. Mm-hmm. I really think we should be pushing for three. And that brings me to this amazing control deck that uh, we played against yesterday, which was Sultai. And it was based around this green colorless card. I don't called. really even remember what four in a green is called, but I know that it gets three multicolored cards back from your graveyard to your hand. And this guy was getting Assassin's Trophies, Hostage Takers, Hydroid Crises. It was... Thought Erasure. Thought Erasure. He was moving cards around. He was essentially playing multicolored control. And Zan and I were just... Vivid Revival. Vivid Vivid Revival. And I think that card is absolutely perfect for this format. Especially when... Especially in this color combination. Mm -hmm. The three cards that really impressed me in in this shell are Thought Erasure, Assassin's Trophy... Growth spiral. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, a bunch yeah. of powerful two mana gold cards. You need to to cast these. You need all three types of the soul time mana, mm-hmm. and that just uh, Collins pushed it by trying to do it on one, and we're trying to push it by doing it on two for a control deck. Yeah, and ramping into Ritual of Sut is ap- is just exactly where you want to be, mm-hmm. and. You have Hostage Taker, Vraska's Finisher, and uh, what was the card called again? Vivid Revival? Yeah, and Vivid Revival to <laughs> yeah. do it all over again. Yeah, yeah, and I think having black in your control decks right now is very important. Almost entirely because of Cry of the Carnarium. Exactly. Yeah, and Ritual of Soot we were really, really impressed with mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, Ritual of Soot, we, we had played against us and we were like, wow, this card kills like everything in the format right yeah. now. It kills it kills your hydroid crises. It kills all of the growth chamber guardians that you've put out. Yeah, uh, it just it, it does so much. Half the oozes. It kills half the oozes. Right. So you um, just need one spot removal spell to finish cleaning right. that up. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. need to kill the the actual ooze because it is a problem. But um, 
but yeah, I mean, Ritual was uh, really, really impressed with, and, and it definitely felt like that was a, a pretty big uh, key piece to that de- to that deck, for sure. To move on, are there any cards that people don't like in Standard that they thought they would like? For example, for me, I really am mad that Rhythm of the Wild isn't the savior that it could have been. <laughs> it just seems like the enemy creature decks are already doing the most powerful thing they can be doing with Growth Chamber Guardian or whatever. And then the control decks are just like, yeah, I wasn't countering your creature spells anyway. You know, mm-hmm. I have sweepers for those, or I have a million fogs and turns for those. So... Rhythm of the Wilds actually disappointed me quite a bit. I think it was a little bit of a trap that a lot of people fell into in the earlier, yeah. like, days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, early on when we were jamming, we would play against Rhythm of the Wild, and we, were, we, we would be like, do, do we care about this? Do we want to spell pierce it? Nah. <laughs> no, this seems fine. <laughs> yeah, let's just let this happen. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, when I've been watching streams, Rhythm of the Wilds is not really yeah. present. It's Some of not... those creature shells are good, but mm-hmm. the card Rhythm of the Wild is just, you, it's just unnecessary. It's just a do-nothing. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, it's just kind of expensive, and we're in, like, a powerful format. One of the reasons that Ritual of Soot is killing so many things is we're in a powerful format, and powerful formats tend to push the converted mana cost of the spells to get cast down lower. Yeah. And, yep. and, you know, Rhythm of the Wilds kind of wants to be in a more medium-sized format where I can be giving haste to four and five mana creatures. Yeah. Um, and then that may just not be something that we're super capable of casting right now. Honestly, out of this whole format, I'm a little... I want to put Judith in the... It's disappointing because it is that when you're... It, it's so fragile, it literally dies to shock. And so we were talking about Collins's aggro deck, and he was like, guys, how can I just sacrifice my board? Because it's mm-hmm. not... Like, Judith isn't... Like, Judith is very powerful when it lives, but, like, as a three-mana 2-2 investment, I feel like I also need it to have, like, a combo finish to be good. So I'm a little wary. I just don't think that every Black Red Aggro deck is going to necessarily throw in three Judiths. Like, they might even be a little too low to the ground or something like that. I'm, like, cautious about Judith. I don't know that it's what I thought it would be when it was spoiled. Yeah. I've, I mean, been, I've been really impressed with Judith so far, especially in the Mardu build, mm-hmm. where you, you're you just putting yourself in a position, because you're playing so many one-drop creatures that want to attack, that, like, if you're playing against a creature matchup, you can just attack your three power creatures into their four toughness creatures, and it's a one for one trade. Yeah. Um, or you know, if they happen to be also on a you know a, a white weenie esque strategy, Judith just ends the game. You just become the control player. You play Judith. You have all your dudes. They can all block. Uh, Gutterbones could block. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then they can never attack into you because you just like you know block with one guy, and then your one guy trades for the guy, and then pings the other guy dead. Mm-hmm. So that's been really good. Um, and kind of specifically, the reason that I wanted to sacrifice a bunch of stuff was for the Fog matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, the one matchup that I've been really struggling with, in, in fact, the only matchup that I've lost against so far with this deck, has been the the Fog uh, taking extra turns. Yeah, cut. That, yeah. and, just... um, and the really the only way for this deck to deal damage is to through the combat step. It yep. doesn't really have any ways of kind of pushing through that which has been a little awkward like you have the your fanatical firebrands which is good um and then you can even sack your dauntless bodyguards Mm -hmm. for a point of damage sometimes and that's been fun uh we did have like secret lethal one time (laughs) where uh we uh we were playing against a fog deck and we he was at seven um or something and we attacked with just our tutu hoping that he would like want to save the fog because we had like a fanatical firebrand that we could sacrifice and uh, the Dauntless Bodyguard that we could sacrifice and maybe our opponent didn't know or whatever. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. But anyways, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so specifically 
against that matchup, I would like a way to be able to just be like, all right, sack all my dudes now um, and deal you, you know, the rest of the damage. Right. And that could be nice to kind of get through like a fog turn or whatever and play around, settle the wreckage and fog and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only card that's bringing to mind is that that black-red 2-2 haste that lets you sacrifice on your upkeep. It just gives you reach, though. It doesn't let you just, like, throw your board at them, so. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And, you know, throwing your board at them is probably a little <laughs> a little greedy, I think, that, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, if you only play goblins, there's a special <laughs> little miner that... <laughs> True. Turned all into red mana. True, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that that deck is much better against the fog decks, um, for sure. But I think that, you know... The power level of this Mardu deck is just so off the charts. Like, all of the cards are insane. And uh, the only deck that I've really even come close to losing against has been this Turbo Fog deck. So. Yeah. And, and it sounds like the main complaint Jeremy has is not that Judith isn't good enough while it's in play. Like, as long as Judith stays in play, you're beating most decks. It's just how, how fragile it is. But the card has to have some vulnerability, I guess. And I think the, the takeaway from what I've seen is mostly just, like, you gotta run the four Judiths, so that when they kill the first one, you've got the second one to mm-hmm. to follow right. it up with. And the fact that when you play your second Judith, one of them dies to the legend rule, you get two triggers. Mm-hmm. So you can you can shock something with your second Judith if you want to. Yeah. Which is hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Judith will be the reason why certain decks won't exist. Uh, I mean, like, playing just plain Simic decks, Judith is the sole reason why those decks will never be tier one. Hmm. Um, I mean, Judith, Judith just gets so out of hand and makes it so that every creature needs to be blocked. Doesn't matter what cre- what size the creature is because yeah. it gets buffed. And by by playing Simic decks, you mean like like blue green like creature based decks yeah, that cre- are trying to fight in combat. Exactly, okay. you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Right, if you're letting your opponent get as wide as possible, as well as well as like if you're attacking with gutter bones. Mm-hmm. Gutter bones can now trade with a four toughness creature. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Right. Or or they're taking three damage off of the gutter bones while there's a Judith in play on the other side. Exactly. That's a big yikes. <laughs> so to me, Judith is going to be a problem that um, that's gonna be around for a while. So much so that I w- I would say that at least three Judith decks are gonna be in top eight week one. Ooh. Wow! Yeah. Cool, calls. Yeah. bold, bold, bold claims here. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I mean, I'm about it. I've been, yeah. I've been really pressed. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm positive of that. Uh, but talking about cards, I've been disappointed in. As much as I love the Simic Guild, I have to say, Frilled Mystic has been disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Day zero Thursday, right? It was crazy good. Every, <laughs> every day after that, it's not been very good. Yeah, yeah. Is that? Is that because of the, like, maybe the converted mana costs being pushed down by the power of the format? Is that making it weaker, or what, what's what's been so disappointing about it? It's the aggro decks. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it. You can't play a 4-mana 3-2 that may, that if it's sniffed out, your punishment is severe. So, so severe. So I, I saw some gameplay of like a Bant Flash deck, basically where every card in the deck was an incident in that Flash. Well, almost every card. Yeah. Um, so that was the one time... Like, I, I have seen a lot of Frilled Mystic being very underwhelming and very disappointing. Yeah. And that deck, though, because the options were casting... I Like, in the hand, we've got Frilled Mystic, Chemist's Insight, uh, uh, Angel of Grace, 
and like settle the wreckage. Yeah. Uh, then no matter what your opponent does, they're getting blown out by something. Yeah. Um, obviously, you need to have like done something to get on board or cast removal spells earlier in the game to get to that point. But uh, having that big variety of options means that the like sniffing out the frilled mystic is less of a, a threat to your ability to play the game. No, for sure. I mean, like, basically, it's until we start seeing 100% flash shells, which is a really big cost in this format, because how many cards actually have flash in this format mm-hmm. uh, in the same color and in, in the same? Yeah, I think you've got to be bands. Like, that's the only possible way to build this deck. Yeah, and that's uh, Your a really high cost. Is not good. Yeah, it's such a high cost. Yeah. What have the so we've talked about Nexus a little bit? What are the builds of the Nexus decks that like have been beating? Like, if if you guys haven't really been working on this, what are the good builds that have been beating you look like? Well, we did we did spend I would say a day and a half. Okay, yeah, and I I I believe that there are three builds of it. There Mm -hmm. is, of course, the Bant uh, the Bant build. Then there's variations of that, but I'm not gonna get into that. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say there's a green blue build. Um, just playing green blue, try to save some damage. I personally am not a fan of it from seeing it afar and playing against it, but I would say um, I've seen a couple of good, uh, big names piloting it. And then the one I like the most, I would say, is Teamer, uh, where your win condition is Expansion, Explosion, and Niv Mizzet, which mm. is um, probably the best version for the mirror match. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. true. I really we, like it. Yeah, we Zan and I were playing the our, our Bant build of the Nexus deck, mm-hmm. and we played against a Teamer build, and they slammed a Niv Mizzet, and we were like, "Wow, we just can't win." <laughs> it's just like the Niv Mizzet was the, the 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 mirror breaker there for them because they were able to just kind of you know, are you sure they were a Nexus deck or were they just a Wilderness Reclamation well, value control deck? Well, the the confirmation was when they played the the Nexus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then, <laughs> then they were pretty sure. <laughs> the Nimizit was their effectively like their Teferi, I guess. Okay. It was like their card that, that makes sense. wins them the game because if you have a Nimizit out and you start, you know, taking extra turns, sure. Nimizit draws you like three cards every turn, so it's just your engine to continue going as yeah. you're as you're comboing off. So if you have your if you have your reclamation, if you have your wilderness reclamation and a niv it, and you know you should just win from yeah. there. It's just over. Also, their play pattern was a little uh, a little different. Like we lo- we won game one without really seeing much, so we assumed it was either a monster or a control shell, mm-hmm. and then uh, we tapped out for a chemist's insight, and they went take an extra turn. Yeah, and then they okay. played the niv it, and. And it was over. Right. Yeah, and when you have such a powerful thing to drop, you know, one of the ways to leverage Nexus when you're not going off is to end of turn it, and then either they have to, like, spend counter spells to fight on it then, or you get two turns to, like, do powerful stuff. And so if the powerful thing you're dropping on your free turn is Teferi, like, that's good. The powerful thing you're dropping on your free turn is Nivmizzet. It's we, we've always said like if you untap with Niv Mizzet, you win the game. Right. So that's the next is to... just lets you do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And wilderness reclamation lets you do it before you even get to do it. Yes. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. On the same turn you cast a Niv Mizzet, you also just cast Chemister's Insight. Well, you get yeah. to untap with Niv Mizzet. <laughs> right. That's very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and like curving one into the other, like you know, uh, in the first like five turns, mm-hmm. playing that card and then slamming your Niv Mizzet, untapping with it. Yeah, it's just so it's such an easy sequence to have. That's very very powerful. And all of these decks are playing Growth Spiral, I assume. Hundred percent. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, not particularly close. That card is great. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of the Teamer Nexus deck was we had discarded both of our Niv-Mizzets, and I was in a room with Zan and Collins really just agonizing over, like, how are we going to win this game? We don't have any win conditions left. And I was like, guys, if we play the third Wilderness Reclamation, we can just fireball them out. They were oh, like yeah. 26, and it was quite just like, here's all the mana, and you draw 26 cards and take 26 damage. <laughs> yep. We couldn't do ourselves because we would have milled out, so you draw the cards. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, that. That's really sweet. Yeah. Uh, can that card cause draws? No, because state-based actions to kill you happen after you would just have drawn, uh, been unable to draw a card and lost the game that way. So the damage... The damage supersedes it? The That's, damage gets the, superseded by the card draw? Right. So yeah. somebody's going to die from decking before state-based oh. actions are checked on the damage. So it's like, I'm at negative 16 and I won because you hmm. were unable to draw a card. Okay. But a card That's interesting. that does cause... Draws is Spear Spewer. <laughs> spear Spewer causes draws. Spear Spewer. If you can't win, the goblin will just say, all right, let's try again. <laughs> One concept that I really like the idea of is Spear Spewer in a Rakdos deck with Spawn of Mayhem. To get, you, you know, you're getting your life total down, you're getting that Spawn of Mayhem out of Lava Coil range. And... <laughs> I haven't seen any spawns, but I'm, you know, I'm a spawn. I, yeah, I, I, it started off in my, like, very initial, like, okay, what are the really, really powerful mm-hmm. cards that I want in my Mardu aggro deck? Is yeah. I had that card in there for a little bit, but it's it's just not... It's not history of Benalia. It's right. not. It's not Judith. So there's not not much space for it. Right. And I I think yeah we may need to see builds develop a little more because it, it it works better as you know when you're not going wide at all when you like are landing standalone threat after standalone yeah. threat sort of thing. Right. The, the main problem with the card is right now there's a lot of cards that exist that come into the battlefield and deal with that card. Sure. Right. It's perfect for Vivian. It's perfect for Chupacabra. Yeah. You just have it's, I and besides besides all that, it's it has four toughness. It doesn't beat the four toughness rule. Lava coil, right? Yeah, so it yeah, pretty much lava coil end of sentence. Like yeah. lava coil is still the most important removal spell in the format. It's very good. Yeah. Um, although shock is coming for it, I guess. Yeah. You can well, yeah. I mean, it. just just both of those together is right. such an excellent removal suite. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons. Yeah, when you're looking at the, like which three colors do I want this deck to be, you get a huge upgrade by choosing red as one of them because it's just like the two best removal spells in the format. So. Yeah, and nowadays you can the red is a splash color, so you get a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was thinking of a card that I was not impressed by, but now I can't remember what it was. So. Do you remember what it did? No. Oh. no. I, it was probably a blue-white card, because those have all most been... Most cards are all <laughs> Which, you know what? Thank God. Like, <laughs> yeah. If we have to, like, do a bunch of work to fit Teferi into decks right now, yes, that's a good thing. If you're thinking blue-white, play green-blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. can play white as well if you want, but, you know, green-blue is where it's at. Yeah. Right. The best blue-white card is definitely Absorb. Like, that card is very powerful right now. Yeah, I agree. But in general, I'm not trying to cast too many cancels at the moment. Yeah. The shell that I'm very surprised that we haven't seen more of, like, especially because it was such a force last format, was Jeskai. I mm-hmm. really haven't seen a lot of Jeskai builds. And I still believe that that deck is is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of surprising that it. everybody was like, oh my god, when this deck gets... Hell the lands, yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I mean, we'll see. Like, traditionally, control decks take a little while to find their, their foothold in, in the yeah. format that's full of powerful that's threats. True. And I, I do think that that will be the case for this week. I think that the aggro decks are so, so powerful, and control is going to really, really need to have a, a defined metagame before it can really target stuff. So, yeah. Some funny stuff that I've seen just you know i've just had my tv on in the background while i do other stuff watching streams i've seen multiple people get their wreckage settled and have no basic lands to get off a of settled wreckage uh, uh no no basic plan no basic lands in play just exile three attacking creatures no drawback <laughs> um brings us back to over perfect mana bases right? right players should be playing some number of basics for a lot of reasons and settle might be one of them but also i think they're just like losing life that they don't have to because there's like even if they're only playing three basics there's like a three percent chance that they draw a combination of lands that don't produce the colors that they need it's like so small yeah yeah, so small. yeah. yep i mean basically where where i'm at i would say that after building quite a bit of decks i would say a lot of the aggro decks playing around 20 21 lands should mm-hmm. be playing three basics mm-hmm. they're also more likely to get settled the record right so right. they would lo- want those lands and then i would say the mid-range decks the ones that are playing land or elves probably want to play three or four basics probably four because you want more green sources on turn one mm-hmm. and then i would say the control decks surprisingly are probably the three color control decks should be playing two-ish three-ish mm-hmm. i would say two-ish uh basic lands yeah you're just not worried about getting settled is a big part of that yeah and uh people like the 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 spells are so powerful to catch you up i don't mind taking the damage mm-hmm. but that's my stance on it not everybody feels the same way about it but it for example when i was talking about the sultai deck i really don't when you have assassin's trophy thought erasure and growth spiral a basic land shuts off one of them. Which one is it going to be? Mm. So yeah. that's my take on it. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, and I mean, one thing to keep in mind though is like, even if you're catching up, if if one of the premier aggro decks in the format ends up being a bunch of burn spells, then, you know, catching up on board doesn't do a whole lot for you. But yeah. that that really depends on what other people are playing. You got to know that first. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, any other thoughts about standard? Are there any anything just, anything we missed? Yeah. Any any deck that we've played that we haven't talked about? Mm. Any deck we played against that we haven't talked about that was interesting? There was there was the defenders deck that we oh. might want to mention. <laughs> Speaking of Bant. yeah, right, yeah. There um, well, we got we got two cards that let defenders attack, right? Yeah. Um. So there's I don't know either the, of their the names. Arcades, the strategist, the strategist. Which is a 4-mana 3-5 that gives all of your defenders the ability to attack. and They draw they, a card when they enter. They, it draws a card when they enter the battlefield. So the rest of the deck was just 1-mana 3-toughness defenders. And there are a ton of those. <laughs> no. um, Why? Right, yeah. My, <laughs> my opponent led on a just a green 0-3 with defender that had reach. And I was like, what what is going on here? But, you know... Uh, later on in the game, they had played their three five um, dragon, the yeah. dragon, and and the the rest of their turns were just like all right, one mana. 
it's like they're playing glimpse all of a sudden. There's like, all right, one mana, uh, three, effectively three three. Draw some more three threes. The rest of their deck was um, the new uh, one mana dig five for a creature, which yeah. could find the three five that was really good. It's called incubation. That card is quite good. Yeah, yeah incubation. And then the other one was uh, the the look at three for a uh, creature adventure simples. Yeah, yep. so you can play all of these one mana cards in your deck. And eventually you're going to be able to find your 3-5 that makes all of your dudes into 3-3s, so your entire board just starts attacking and the game ends very quickly. There's also an enchantment that does the same thing for yeah. redundancy. And then, right. And there's also uh, Tetsuko Umezawa from Dominaria for the creature matchups. <laughs> Whenever, oh my. So this is... <laughs> what does it do? This is one in a blue for a 1-3, uh, and it's creatures you control with power or toughness of one or less are unblockable. So, for the creature matchups, this makes all of your O3 walls unblockable. Uh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. The other card that I was really impressed out of this deck that I was surprised to see exist was a uh, a new white 1-3 um, for just a single white. And oh, the guard has, dog. The yeah, the boy. guard dog. The, the good, good boy. boy. It sacrifices yeah. to give another creature you control indestructible until yeah. end of turn. And that card, it combined with the 3-5 dragon that turns on your deck, was just, that synergy was so strong. Yep. Because if they ever tried to get rid of it with just a removal spell, you'd be like, nope, I have this 1-3 dog. <laughs> I have a hard time imagining that this does end up being a deck that survives into the format. True, true. But I do want to say that in terms of, it was kind of like a meme deck, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where somebody like had an idea and really went with it. Yeah. Um, and we see those all the time in early standard. But previously, when I've seen decks like that, I've not been impressed at all. But I was legitimately impressed by what this deck was doing. It seemed to be doing very, very powerful things, and the consistency was definitely there. Okay. So I don't, I don't want to throw it away. I'm definitely not going to play it week one. But, right. but maybe, right? I mean, it's, it's, I was impressed at, at how consistent and powerful their engine was. Yeah, and those the the eight cantrips to dig for Arcades is right. like yeah. actually a like comes close to making it a real yeah. thing. Yeah, dig fives for it and dig three for it. And then, you know, and you also have the extra enchantment to, to turn on your deck. Yeah. But if there was a week to play it, this would be the week. There's a you lot of so? aggro decks. Yeah. Well, right. And yeah. then all of the O3s against I mean, these aggro decks? Nothing like, is dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. guard dog is never going to be a better card than like this week where people are playing these mono black decks with 16 one drops and whatever. <laughs> yeah. People on Twitter, though, they're saying you're not supposed to sacrifice that thing because it's such a good boy. But sometimes you have to because it protects your dragon. And your dragon is a really important boy, too. The dragon is the goodest boy. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't want to run afoul of certain Twitter personalities. I'm going to go ahead and just say I'm never going to sacrifice that card. Well. Ever. I'll, I'll be more daring. I'll it's easy to never sacrifice that card, though, when your defenders are O2s that tap to deal one damage to both of us. <laughs> it's also easy to never sacrifice that card if you never play that card. Of course. I don't so. know. I'd rather have a pet dragon. Yeah. I like the dragon. The <laughs> yeah. dragon that makes all of your creatures draw a card when they get... Does it draw a card on cast or enters the battlefield? I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. Right. Everybody's countering the yeah. walls at that point. But yeah, wow, defenders, huh? But yeah, and then the the other synergy that was really cool with that deck was that while you're going off and trying to draw a bunch of cards to continue going off, uh, sometimes you draw into the impulse or mm-hmm. what the in, incubation. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you draw into your incubation or your dig three for a creature, and that just continues letting you go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 
And that seemed really strong. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think of what the other half of incubation's called. And so I'm going with their naming uh, convention of the first three letters. So I'm like, ink, ink. And I'm like, it's incorporation. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's incorporation. Let's just call Close. it Pongo. Defenders Incorporated. Yeah, Defenders <laughs> Incorporated. Yeah. That's well, the name of that deck. Now we've named the deck, but the card is incongruity. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, you lose. <laughs> let's just call it Pongo Pongo Pong. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm, crap! Now I have to try that deck that I really don't want to try. <laughs> I, I don't mind it. It's, it's you know I love casting like green ponders. It, I do. Industries in modern in incubation. Yeah, same thing. I I am now leaning towards the decks that lets me that let me cast cantrips in formats where you're not really supposed to cast cantrips. So right, I'm, I'm totally in. Yeah. Cool. Well, so that's standard, uh, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, lots of, like, I I think the takeaways here are that the format is being characterized at this moment by aggressive decks, very good mana, very powerful spells at pretty low converted mana costs. Yeah, right. And I I do really like those, the low converted mana cost decks. I think that they're really important. I I think that, like, the only other option other than either a Drake's build or an aggro build is definitely a a crisis, a hydrid crisis strategy that's really trying to ramp into big things or a control strategy. Likely a a Nexus of Fate. Yeah, those those feel like they kind of fit into the control slot. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are also like dedicated control decks, but it kind of feels like the the fog deck is kind of the the best control strategy that I've I've played against so far. So, I mean... Uh, the next thing I'm going to be trying out is that Sultai build. Yes. And I really feel like that will be attacking um, the format the way... Basically, everybody's holding cards. Yeah. And if you're holding a card, I don't want it there. And Thought Erasure is the card that's not seeing play that should be seeing play. Definitely. You know, and I, I think... I've talked about this multiple times with people in Old Standard too. Like, Thought Erasure is the good Demir card. Like yeah. yeah, everything else in that those decks was like pretty bad, but getting thought erasure was always really painful. Yeah, especially when everybody's holding a hydroid crisis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, that's the only way that you can cleanly trade one for one for a hydroid crisis. Right. Yeah. Or or Nivmizit, like you feel real safe because you got your Nivmizit in your hand against the other blue deck, and yeah. then they're just like, I'm gonna uh, yeah, give me that. <laughs> right. I can't wait to play multicolored mid-range decks that get into my opponent's hand and cast Assassin's Trophy. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep, that sounds great. Yep. Boy, and Assassin's Trophy, when people are running like these 20 non-basic land databases, <laughs> yeah. this is pretty good. You're just reading my mind. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to bring it back with Vivid Revival and then Assassin's Trophy somebody again, and they're just like, please stop blowing up my permanence, because at this point I'm at a mana disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the card that impressed me the most in that shell was Hostage Taker. And Hostage Taker has been a really tricky card because you have to pick your timing right. Mm-hmm. But it's never really seen play with a card like Thought Erasure yeah. and Vivid Revival. You expect it the first time to come down, it dies. But the third time you're casting it, <laughs> yeah. it's going to stick one of the times and right. take your creature. And the card that's really been impressive against is Hydroid Crisis. You take it, you cast it. They kill it. They get nothing. They get nothing. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing that's worth noting about a card like Hostage Taker is that a lot of people are so afraid of like casting their Hostage Taker and then getting it removed, and they're like, oh, no, that's such a bad scenario. But if you take a step back and look at that, you not only are you trading a card for a card, their removal spell for your 2-3, 
Um, but also you get the tempo advantage of, like, maybe they don't get to attack with that creature this turn. Maybe you get some counters off of it. Maybe you get their Hydroid Crisis and it just dies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it, if they try to kill your guy. Um, so there's, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot more utility to that card than people think. And speaking of um, Judith, I think a great answer to Judith is Hostage Takering it. Almost immediately, the, the creatures become not big enough to, to get through yeah. it. And also, if you cast the Judith... But you end up with two bodies that can ping two one ones mm-hmm. or one toughness creatures, yeah. and um, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's basically just figuring out these small holes in these very powerful strategies right now. Yeah, and against the Judith decks, a lot of the you have to run a critical mass of creatures in those decks, so your hostage shaker can be pretty likely. Yeah. To survive, unless they have a priest of the forgotten gods going, and then <laughs> <laughs> that's why we got cry of the carnarium. And guess what? It survives. It survives cry, <laughs> and we have ritual set, and it survives. Yeah, that. yeah, that's all pretty solid. I, I, I'm excited to see that deck. I also like in the back of my mind, I'm trying to put together like a dive down based to like hostage shaker green creature. You know, like those those green two drops. If you back them up with dive down, can also be extremely good. So yeah. I'm wondering if that's something that 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 could get put together at some point. Um, but to finally move off of standard, I think well, that about puts a bow on standard for yep. now. Well, unfortunately, our Patreon question of the week is also about standard. Oh no! <laughs> or fortunately, you know, depending on how, how you're yeah. Um, and we want to talk about standards. So. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and and we've touched on some of this. Uh, but Jay is asking specifically, what are you prioritizing in a week one standard? Uh, mana bases, beating specific decks, power, consistency. Like, what's the What's the target? What's your goal here when you're building your week one deck? I hate to start off with the most obvious possible observation, but if your opponent goes Mountain, Gitu, Lava Runner, and you go, darn it, I can't beat this, I think you're in a real bad spot. Mm-hmm. I think you need to at least have a... You you guys have done a podcast together. You know how I... Uh, game plan. You need to have a pretty clear idea of what your cards are supposed to be doing against Mono Red and how that results in you winning. Yep. I think it depends on where you're playing. Uh, I, I think if you're playing, for example, in the Indie Open next weekend, uh, you want to tackle it a little bit differently. You probably are going to be playing against the aggro decks in the later rounds, mm-hmm. um, so you better be have a game plan against that. But if you're playing locally, let's say you're playing in an IQ or a PPTQ, if those still exist. Good dig. <laughs> <laughs> then, um, then I would say that I would be focusing on like really just exploring your inner creativity because if you ever <laughs> if you know uh, this is this is serious because when i when i first started playing magic that's what's I, that's something i've been able to carry over to this point in time that i see a lot of my peers don't have the ability to, to do is think out of the box and come up with something that can win week one and yeah so if you have the luxury of still playing in iqs and Stuff like that. IQs are mostly modern, but yeah. yeah or like just local events, mm. and you're working your way up to the bigger stage, exploring your creativity. Take the first two weeks to really try to make something of your own because magic doesn't really allow you to do that anymore. So, yeah, yeah. now's the perfect time. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And there's just a big pile of powerful cards. So if you're just using a couple of the powerful cards, like you will be able to win games of magic week one and two. Yeah. Very nice. Yep. 
to for continue sure. scaling it down in sort of like seriousness of the tournament. If you're going to F and M and you know the commanders or players are going to be there, your Arcades matchup better be a lot. You better know what's going on. <laughs> they have all these O threes for one. It's like they have a glimpse. Ritual of soot. That's we got to we got to clear out these O three walls. It's a good one. And fight with fire. Like how else do you kill Arcades? It's tough. It's Let a three five. I can't lava coil yeah. that. Surprisingly difficult. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we I think that we played it with our uh, with our Drake deck, was it? Yeah. Um, and you know, in our removal suites, like shocks and uh, lava coils and stuff, and we had like one one beacon bolt, one beacon bolt that we were just praying for. You know, like <laughs> come on. <laughs> so yeah, beacon man. bolt or Ral. Yeah. And, and then we drew our one beacon bolt or or a Ral. Yeah. We drew one of those effects, and uh, they just had the guard dog, and we were like, oh, my god, he probably won't sack it, right? But yeah, I think that, right, you definitely need to be able to compete. The Kind of the two, like, uh, edges of the format right now are the aggro decks. There are a lot of varieties of the aggro decks, but fighting them is pretty similar. And then also the, the, the other end of the spectrum is the Nexus decks. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have a plan against these decks that are trying to cast big game-ending spells. You also need to have a plan against the decks that are trying to cast a bunch of one-mana cards and burn you out. Yep. As long as you're... As long as whatever you're playing isn't completely dead to one of those two strategies, um, I think that you're in a good good spot. Cool. Awesome. Well, I think we have talked about as much as we can about standard two or three days into it. We will be back next week with you know week one results, and probably that's mostly what we're going to be talking about because that's what I'm yeah. going to be thinking. about. I mean, about we'll just kind of see how it all unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Um, so. We've got the Lotus Boxers here. I guess you talk a little bit about what you guys are doing, but how can people find you on YouTube, Twitter, that sort of thing? Uh, the YouTube account is Team Lotus Box. All you got to do is go to that and subscribe and hit ring that little bell so that you get a notification on your phone every time we let a new video out. <laughs> give us a like. Give us a comment. Smash that magic playing like button for me, please. And you can also find us on Twitter at, at Team Lotus Box. You can find me on Twitter at, at MoxJeremy, all one word. And me at Zan underscore Sayeth. And yeah, that'll pretty much get you in touch with the Lotus Boxers. Yeah, and they're, they're, the videos are a little bit different from a lot of the videos that you see, which are like a full draft or whatever. These are kind of snapshots of like matches that you thought were you know interesting decks and just like one match sort of self-contained yeah. so you can see what the deck is capable of and yeah we also do a lot of talking like the beginning there's usually going to be a deck tech and honestly the two of us are excited to see how magic grows and as that happens our channel is going to grow so we're thinking of doing things like interviews with like prominent players and maybe even interviews about magic social issues you know and we're like not opposed to vlogging our tournaments and seeing how well that like resonates with the audience. So, cool. so as magic grows, we're hoping to grow as a channel and sort of like make the Lotus Boxers like a um, what's happening magic type atmosphere. Yeah, nice. And we really want the the viewer to be engaged in that in the direction that we had. Like I said earlier, uh, one of our goals is to break this barrier between the pros and the average grinder. Cool. That's yeah, well, awesome. I've, I've enjoyed what I've seen so far, and I'm looking forward to the, you know, what you guys come up with. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. As far as our part goes, we are MTG Grandcast. You can find us at mtggrandcast.com. Uh, you can find links to our Patreon there, or go straight to patreon.com slash mtggrandcast. You can also find links to Collins's one-on-one coaching. Yep. Um, 
And if you want to find us on Twitter, I am tweeting from at MTG underscore Grindcast, and Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Mullen. That's really it for us. And for the Lotus Boxers, uh, thank you so much for listening, and have a great week. Peace.